Your Story with Melinda Estabrooks, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Listen for new episodes every Monday and subscribe to the podcast at faithstrongtoday.com. Our stories have the power to connect us, to inspire us, and give us courage. On Your Story with Melinda, your story matters. Well, welcome to another show on Your Story with Melinda, and I have an amazing guest. I'm thrilled to have Lori Hartshorn in studio with me today. If you don't know Lori, you need to get to know her. Lori and I have done conferences together. She is a Bible teacher. She is the Connections Pastor at C4 Church, a church in the Toronto area. She is the author of Finding Freedom, Wake Up to Spiritual Warfare and Unleash the Power of Prayer. She's got a book out and a DVD Bible study, um, an amazing resource for you and your church. And you can find that out at lauriehartshorn.com. She is a national speaker. She is a mom of three young adults and an empty nester. And she's been married to Dean for 31 years. That in itself is an accomplishment. I know. (laughs) As I'm saying this, I'm like, oh. Oh, all that to say, she has a lot to share with us, a lot of experience, a lot of wisdom. I'm glad you're here, Lori. I'm so glad I'm here. I just love hanging out with you. So Me too. Well, great. I think the connection for us is a couple things. First of all, us doing a conference together in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan in Canada was so much fun. Absolutely. How many women? A couple thousand? Yeah, it was huge. I mean, probably one of the biggest conferences in Canada. I know. Huge. And that was a great yeah. moment for us to connect. It was. We have done on a TV show called 100 Huntley Street. Street in yeah. Canada. I got yeah. you into TV studio for some Bible you teaching. You really were <laughs> behind launching Finding Freedom. I'm like, yeah. you know, who am I? And thank yeah. you, Melinda. You're just and I think such it, a I was, champion. And I think I finally said, you are a national speaker, yeah, Lori. Yeah, <laughs> you did. You gave me the name. So. That's I was great. doing the thing, but not calling it what it was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so here's the thing. Yes. I mean, wow, you're doing a lot. Mm. You're busy. You're involved. Uh, you do coaching. You do leadership training. You do Bible teaching. You speak. You're a pastor. That's you and what you're doing. But let's take it back because there's got to be part of the story, your story from the beginning and sort of how you got to where you are today. Because for a lot of women, they'd say, wow, she's successful. Mm -hmm. She's doing what we've always wanted to do. But it's probably come with a lot more backstory than we know. Of course. I mean, it's, you can see what people do, but you know, who they are yeah. is often underneath all of that, right? Yeah. Good. So let's, let's yeah. hear from you what, well, from the beginning. I was born in the schwa, which people, you know, if you're in the Toronto area, you might get that term, <laughs> but this great city, East of Toronto, mm-hmm. Oshawa. And, you know, my parents were really first generation Christians. They got saved when they were like 20. Um, my mom she, her family pretty much rejected her when she got saved, like, and it changed the trajectory of our family. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think about that. Um, so I was raised in a really good home. Um, my parents loved Jesus. They were young Christians, so they weren't caught up in legalism. Mm -hmm. I had a great church that I was taught in and I was, I was given opportunity to lead from like the age of 11. Great. That's like, really, Mm -hmm. I mean, it just in a church environment where people, really believed in you and developed you, which is really my passion. I love developing people. I like growing people. I actually Mm. like seeing other people flourish. That's why I like equipping them and teaching them. And and I so love being a pastor and being able to walk alongside people. And It's amazing when a church or community does that from an early age for someone, right? And you know what? It doesn't happen everywhere. I didn't think I realized how unique that was until as I got older and realized from the age of 11, 
I was given opportunities to lead. That's amazing. I know. Like I was directing these choirs and productions, musicals, like when I was in high school because the music pastor there said, hey, I see something in you. You know, I don't think we take enough risks um, in our church. And I don't think, I think leadership, this whole leadership passion of mine, I think comes out of that, that people believed in me at a very young age and said, you can do it. I'm going to help you do it. That's key. That's good. So you're now like, so you basically great community and knowing Jesus as a, yeah, at a young age. Absolutely. Went to the Christian camp. I mm. knew I was called into ministry. Didn't know quite, didn't use those terms, but right. I had an encounter, a, a powerful encounter and experience with God as a, a teenager at about 17 years old. Mm. And I didn't have the language for it, but I knew that I wanted to give the rest of my life to serving Jesus, whatever that meant. Mm-hmm. But I was raised in a fairly conservative church. Like, what does a woman do? Like, a, I never saw a woman pastor. I never saw yeah. a woman teaching yeah. the Bible. I never saw a woman preaching. Mm-hmm. I saw many godly women leading in many areas of ministry, but on the platform, like, no. Yeah. So Same to, as me. I would yeah. say the same. Mm-hmm. So to be honest, I wasn't seeking a platform. I didn't even know, and certainly not a pastoral title. Mm. I never knew that that was accessible. And that's okay because it yeah. wasn't my ambition. It wasn't at all. It's just kind of ironic yeah, and almost is. a sense of humor <laughs> of God to say, yeah. you're going to be a pastor someday and you're going to be entrusted to teach the word of God. See, and that's encouraging because I think that when a young person, even especially a woman, yeah. doesn't see it modeled in a, in a church or community, then there's, there's a time where you're like, that's not even possible for me. Yes. Or you don't even know that that's an option. Yeah. Like Beth Moore, I, I mean, yeah. I won't give my age, but my kids are in their 20s, mm-hmm. just saying. You know, I mean, I watched this Beth Moore. I loved her teaching. I loved the word of God. Mm-hmm. And I I just was like, wow, look, but that, like, I, I'm not exactly sure, but 20 years mm-hmm. maybe, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'm halfway, well, halfway through my life. And mm-hmm. I went to Bible school. I have a degree in biblical studies and education became a teacher because I knew I could do that. Yeah. I had permission to do that. Right. And, uh, but the Beth Moores of the world were not happening. No. Yeah. Not till I was closer to my thirties, actually, did I start to see women teaching the Bible. Really? Yeah. That's been a real challenge. And again, I know that there's so many discussions about that, but I think that's one of the things that really inspires me about you to see you in that place of a Bible teacher and a speaker and a pastor, a connections pastor, yeah. focusing on discipleship. Right. Right. I mean, and yeah. that's great to see women because, I mean, when you're looking at young girls and, and, you know, in schools, they can say, hey, you could become CEO, you could be president, you could become a teacher. Right. And then sometimes within the context of church, yeah. it's it's an opposite message. Yeah. Sometimes it can right? be played out differently. Yes, right? absolutely. And I mean, we're in a, I'm in a wonderful church where we believe, you know, in all the gifts and we believe in both men and women serving in their gifts. And yeah. isn't that what it's about? Wonderful. Absolutely. My life passion, Melinda, truly is really, it's not about my platform. It's just, I want to, if I can model, really empower and equip and enable other Mm -hmm. men and women, Mm -hmm. because I do teach men and women, but especially my passion to see women following passionately Jesus first and foremost, right? Don't, don't seek after the gift, Seek after the gift giver. Yeah. Like that yeah. is truly what it's about. You have to walk in the way God has gifted you, but you must be in love with the gift giver. Mm-hmm. And that's really good because I find because we have shows yeah. that are always about going after being the idol, the voice, whatever, all these right. things about saying that's what you go after right. versus I think what's happening culture and even I would say within the church, that's always been sort of the goal. 
Yeah, and it's about seeking a platform. A platform, perhaps. celebrity, right. fame, well, and success. Does that validate then? Does the platform validate? Yeah. Does the screen validate? Does the microphone validate? Right. Or does actually your validation come through, you know, you are in love with the gift giver mm-hmm. and and you just want him to work through you. He will open the door, set up the platform, give you whatever he will. Mm-hmm. In, 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 in the context of your character too, it's yeah. so much more important that our character is developed and reflects the gift giver mm-hmm. um, because otherwise we're just making a lot of noise. You know, we can, I yes. mean, it is out of love, right? First Corinthians 13, like we serve out of love and, and I know myself, I haven't always served out of love. Like, let's be real. I mean, I, there's been ambitious times in my life where I just want to accomplish things and, and ambition isn't wrong, but you really have to check your motive mm-hmm. and you only really know Jesus is the one who checks your motive. Yeah. He does. And it's just so freeing. And maybe it's my older age, but it's very freeing to just walk out with you. Let him open the doors for you. And as a woman, know your gifts, know your Mm -hmm. gift giver, and just hold his hand, walk with him in confidence. And really nothing is... He'll... Nothing is limited to him. Yeah, and I've, and I've seen that. I think that's actually a good reminder because I think with even in our Christian culture, especially I've talked to many women because we're kind of in that same place of women who are authors and are speakers. Right. We always have to be in check yes. because even for me, I find myself swayed to say there is a part about being a platform, being on TV, having a radio show, sure. a podcast show, you know, thousands of people online following you. Right. And you have to constantly be in check and have people that will ground you Absolutely. and be like, oh, whoa, whoa. You know, because it's not about you no. getting there no. and getting all the likes and all that. You have to remember that, it, especially in my own life, Lori, you know, God has been faithful in putting me in those places of influence. Yes. And there are moments where I'm standing in front of 3,000 women yeah. in Saskatoon, and there are moments where you're about to speak, and you're like, whoa, yeah. am I really here? And what a responsibility Absolutely. it is and privilege to do it. Yeah, and First Peter talks about, you know, if you're called to teach, and I think teaching isn't just, you know, in yeah. a classroom or at a pulpit. Like, we teach in lots of different ways, but especially for those who are called to teach, we are held accountable. Yeah. And, and I feel that more and more accountability in my life. And, and, you know, it's not so much about who we are, but like, what is your message? People say, I'd love to speak and I'd love to teach, you know, like you do, but it's like, well, what is the message yeah. that God has given you? And our message, isn't it true? Comes out of our mess, comes out of our life. Oh yes. <laughs> and the mess that, and honestly, like there's no perfect life, but it's not so much about the mess, but it's about the redemption of the mess. Absolutely. And when we hear our stories and we're going to get into that because you've yeah. had that. Sure. You've had the mess and, and you know, and, and it's good for, I think, our, our viewers and our listeners to see this because and hear this because a lot of times when they see you on platform, on TV, on a podcast, like she's got it all together. Oh, like she's speaking yeah. from a place where she's got it all together. She's right. perfect. And for even for me, even during, you know, in television, I've had women say, you have no idea. And you haven't been through this. And as I said, you know, would write or share, I'd be like, oh, yeah. You know, when you go through depression, when you've gone through a divorce, when you've gone through, you know, trying to take your own life, oh, yeah, I get it. You know, and they're like, oh, but it didn't look like it when it's all shiny and, yeah. you know, with great it's makeup about, on a couch, yeah, right? It's vulnerability, and it right? It is. And authenticity. And authenticity. Right? And But we have to welcome, you know, the power of Christ into our stories, yeah. into our brokenness. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just a brokenness. Absolutely. Well, listen, right. you mentioned that. You said because I, when I said that, you know, the message is key. And my message has always been my story, but the story of God's faithfulness, his redemption, the grace 
of his that I live underneath and within every day. I'm, I'm very clear to say none of this is in my doing. A lot of this is like really, (laughs) but for you, you mentioned that, that in your, you have a platform and you do speak, but there is a story in that. There's a redemptive thread within your own story. Tell me about that. Well, you know, you can't teach anything. You can teach things that you know in your head, but people actually know the disconnect. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, you're just spouting off information. Yeah. But when you know it through experience, Mm -hmm. then when I talk about putting confidence in God and growing in faith and trusting God for difficult things, I'm not just talking about, I know this to be true because the Bible says it. I know this to be true because this good Christian girl who wanted to follow Jesus sincerely wanted to more than anything, my husband and I, you know, broken people ourselves, desperate need of the power of God in our life. But we, we many ways, we want to raise our kids to love Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we had the great family, you know, we, the kids that we went to church together, our kids went to the Christian school and Christian camps, and they all loved Jesus and demonstrated their love of Jesus early in their life. And I could feel pretty good as a parent, yeah. you know, like, hey, I guess we got this <laughs> thing together, you know, yeah. and then... And then our world was rocked, as uh, and many would understand the word prodigal. Many would understand, and those listening to, whether you're a parent or you're a person who has someone in your family who is running away from Jesus, running away from their faith, rebelling. I had three prodigal children, Melinda. Mm. My kids, I had three babies in three years. Probably not a good, you know, birthing plan because they all become teenagers at the same time. Oh, no. I know. But, but you know, um, they, for by God's permission, um, they went, all three of them went on a very difficult journey. Mm. And I mean, we get, we get that kids have to own their own faith. We mm-hmm. get that they needed to wrestle it out. We understood that. But when it got to the place where our oldest son, this great Christian young man that just the summer before was leading at a Christian camp, he was going, went on a mission trip, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. yay, must, yeah. mom and dad must be Woo! doing something yeah. right, right? Yeah. You know? Oh man, why do we think it's all about us? Mm-hmm. Right? Just when pride, can I say, yeah. feeling good about our parenting, somehow we think it's about our parenting, feeling good about, you know, the way things are turning out. Honestly, within three weeks, he was very angry, hurt by some Christian leaders, chose to be angry. Mm -hmm. We know Ephesians says anger is a foothold to Satan. Mm -hmm. We underestimate as believers the crack in the door, the foothold Mm -hmm. that the enemy wants to come in to a believer's life and destroy them. And my son would testify to say, that's exactly what happened. He opened the door through anger Mm -hmm. and the enemy just came crashing in the front door, Mm -hmm. bringing all his demons with them, you know, and just took over my son's life. He was a different person within three to four months. I'm not exaggerating, completely different personality. Really? He looked different. He talked different. He was engaged in drugs and alcohol in the party scene. I lost my son. Wow. Not long after that, I didn't know behind the scenes, The other, my next son was already involved in the drug scene. Um, my daughter slowly coming along mm-hmm. underneath. Eventually, my oldest is a drug addict alcoholic. I mean, he's. Ta- we don't know where he is. Weekends, three and four days go by. We don't know where our son is. There is, there is nothing sort of scarier to a mom than I don't know. I've lost control. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know where my kids are. They're involved in just everything that you've taught them. It just smacks in your face. Yeah. You know, failure, loser. I'm disqualified as a leader. I mean, come on yeah. now. Oh yeah. How oh, yeah. do I stand up and teach anybody anything? How are you making sense of this, Lori? Because now it's like, like, here's the thing. Like, I'm a great parent, and I know a lot of parents feel that way. I mean, yeah, missionary we did a lot kids, of, we did a lot of good things. Yeah, we, yeah. So how are you and Dean navigating oh. through this? And and what's how's community being a part of this? How, how are you making sense of this? You, well, you feel very alone and isolated. Yeah. And the enemy first one of his main strategies, which I actually share because I share our story in Finding Freedom, as I teach this reality of spiritual warfare. See, we were very naive Christians. We were living in a bubble. Um, and I love my upbringing. And I have great respect for the teaching, mm-hmm. but I did not get the full counsel of the Word of God when it came to the Holy Spirit, the power of Christ mm-hmm. through the Spirit, mm-hmm. and therefore the power of the demonic Satan and spiritual warfare is real. I knew about spiritual warfare, but it was out there yeah. for other people. Way out, but way out when here. it came yeah. to my front yeah. door, literally, literally came slamming through our front door, took over our kids. Our kids were under the influence really? of the evil wow. one. And there was a spiritual battle going on in our home. The relationships that we had we're broken. I mean, we couldn't even communicate with our kids. And I know that parents that are listening, they know, they yeah. know of what I speak. Yeah. And then you're like, nobody else is going through it. You, it, pers- it looks like everyone else is Well, isn't that part of the enemy? Great. Isolate. Yeah, isolate. I, isolate, isolate. Do not share. Yeah. Don't share. Shame. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just literally felt like I could oh, not. God. I just curled up into the fetal position, which isn't that where the enemy wants you? He wants not only to isolate you, he wants to render you ineffective. He does not want you walking out your calling. And Melinda, I would say, you know, this wasn't an overnight thing. Like seven years, it could have been much longer, but um, seven very, very difficult years mm-hmm. of our kids running from God. And in the middle of us, us, us waking up to what this spiritual warfare really was. Mm-hmm. How was the enemy trying to destroy my kids and our family yeah. and steal our calling? You see, I don't just speak. It's not just what I share, what I speak. Each one of my kids has a testimony. Our family story was filmed for the sake of us testifying as to what Jesus did. It has nothing to do with us, thank God, us being great parents. Because in the end, in the the prodigal son story, you look at the father. We had to keep looking at that story and going, oh. So seven long years. Seven long years. Kids running from Jesus. What do you do as a parent? Right? What are your yeah. strategies? What did that father do with the prodigal son? He waited. He, he did waited, not yeah. enable. He did not equip. You know, so many times we go to fix our kids. Yeah. We go running after our kids. And I know those mm. listening are going, I just want to help my. Yeah. Because that's, that's what I do. I want to care and I want to yes. love and, and protect. And yes. Help. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like the fix it yeah. mom, right? Like yeah. the, how many ways can I be helpful? <laughs> And it's called enabling. Yes. And you and God really just said to me, you got to get out of the way. Do you trust me? Do you heard you him say me? that. Oh, big time. Like, is this about you? Is this all about you, Lori? Hmm. Is this actually all about your parenting, your ability to lead and your ability? Like, really? Mm-hmm. Why don't you let me go after your kids? And by the way, I want you to just take a step back. I want you to be the person I called you to be. I want you to do the things I've called you to do in spite of the fact that your family's in a mess. That sounds terrifying, though. I actually was asked to speak at my where I was raised, at the home church I was raised. I'm like, I cannot speak. I have nothing to say, right? And I started telling the story before, right in the middle of the mess, 
I started sharing the brokenness that I was in, and I just publicly declared, I am counting on the power of the Lord Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. to go after my kids. I am, as a mom, I am on my knees. My husband and I have agreed to stand together on this. We're going to count on God and we're going to wait. Will you pray for my family? Do you know that hundreds of people started praying for our family, Melinda, people all over the world. If I had kept that to myself, I, we would not have had like the privilege of filling what Revelations talks about, yeah. the prayer bowls. He talks about filling the prayer bowls. You cannot invite other people to pray on your behalf if you will not share your prayer yeah. bowl. If you keep it all to yourself yeah. and just, you're dumping prayers yeah. in these prayer bowls, but mm. you got to put it out and say, I need the body of Christ. Now, what was that like when you said it? When oh, you it was, it. it awakened. You know, I was able to minister out of a place of brokenness without any of my kids following Jesus, not knowing when they oh. would return. But be- I was believing they would return. I was believing that. It wasn't, a, you know, if they would. When my children return to Jesus, because Jesus is going to get them, he, they belong to Jesus. Yeah. They don't belong to the enemy. Yes. And, and I started praying in faith, believing God in a way I'd never believed before, not knowing when, not manipulating mm-hmm. God's timing on it, but stepping out and doing the thing God called me to do when I felt least effective, least empowered, least qualified. But isn't that, even in my own story, isn't that when then God goes, thank you, Oh, get out of the way. Absolutely. Now you're feeling like the least because great, because now it's about me oh, and so then much. me doing the yes. work. And then I experienced oh. his power in me. Yeah. It wasn't about what I knew or any <laughs> right. successes I had mm. or my qualifications or blah, 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 blah. Like right. who really cares? Yeah. It was, I was brought through a fiery trial, as First Peter talks about how great fiery trials are because they test our faith. Yeah. And, you know, we want our faith to be tested because without the testing of fire, we actually don't mature. We aren't purified. We don't grow up. That is good because whenever I see somebody going through a difficult time, or even myself, and people go, well, would you never go through that again? If like you could choose your life again. I actually said, you know what? As much as this sounds odd or, or, or counterintuitive, I'm glad I went through all right. these hard things because my relationship with God you know, was closer. I understood him more. Yes. I had to depend on him than any person other Absolutely. than anybody else. I, I knew his character, yes. and I fell in love with him in a way – that to this day, when I have my conversations with him and I hear him and I'm listening, I honestly think that this kind of relationship with him would not have happened yeah. without these, without the trials yeah. and the fiery times, right? And you know what? And you have choices in those fiery times. Yes, you, choices you do. Because you can get mad, you can get sad, mm-hmm. you can get bitter, you mm-hmm. can run. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people who choose that path. Yeah. And scripture reminds us over and over again that we choose praise, that we choose worship, that we choose thanksgiving. For the trial. Yeah. For the trial. And now I, I, like you, I don't say to people, I'm so sorry you're going through that. I can say, may God, in his grace, give you great blessings because of what you're going through. Because it's spiritual blessings. I mean, I do not believe that I would be able to love others the way I love others now. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm less judgmental. I'm not the person that I was before. Praise God. Yeah, I mean, me too. really. And oh. it's, you know what? And then you're able yeah. to minister at a place of real kindness and generosity and love. And people feel possibly safer with you. It's more authentic. It is. You know, but, but I don't, 
it's not even about the brokenness because it doesn't end in your brokenness. It is how we refine you in your brokenness. But, you know, in your broken place, you can be the strongest. I sometimes think, well, the blessing comes when it's resolved. The blessing comes when my kids return to Jesus. I started experiencing blessing in my life in the middle of it. In the middle of it all, yep. And I talk in finding freedom Mm -hmm. like... It, freedom doesn't come when it's all resolved. You actually find freedom in the middle of the mess. Yeah. When you understand that that trial was a gift from God, it is a gift from God. That is the blessing. Mm-hmm. The blessing is actually right there. Yeah. So I only have like two minutes left here. And I wish I could talk to you for two more hours, yeah. Lori. But I know our listeners and viewers are wondering, did your kids... Oh, praise only by his power. Right. You know, it's a supernatural story. They'll each tell how really in God's ordained time, he said, it's time for you to Hmm. come. My son, I'll tell you the one story. So all my kids returned to Jesus at different times in different ways, but it started to happen rapidly when my middle son, one day he said, I got to go to church. And this great woman of faith opened her mouth, unfortunately. (laughs) And said, well, I'll believe that when I see it. <laughs> oh, Melinda, like what? You know, does, it's a Sarah moment, yeah. right? Yeah. It's a Sarah I'll moment where I'm like, I yeah. laughed at God. God in his graciousness just said, okay, well, Lori, you will see this. And my son showed up to church for the first time. We sat at the very back. Like I was already going that night to this youth service. He was in turmoil. Mm-hmm. He was very overcome and under the influence of the enemy big time. He'd opened many, many doors and he was in a raging battle. And I was just texting people and praying and those prayer bowls that we had just been filling for years. Like this boy's coming home at the end of the service. It had ended and the pastor got up and said, wait, there's somebody here who Jesus is saying, it's time for you to come. I literally watched. My son has no remembrance of this, Melinda. It was Jesus. He said he felt like something picked him up from the scruff from the back of his neck. And just lifted him. And I watched him. He's six foot two. He is a skateboarder. So he has yeah. long legs. Yeah. He like mounded over the seats in this big auditorium. He ran and he prostrated himself before just face down and he wept and wailed like a baby. And it was then he was delivered of evil. It was then that he surrendered himself. He is preparing for full-time ministry. Him and his wife, he's now married, are literally in Africa today wow. as we speak like He's teaching at a seminary. I mean, this is craziness. This young man was tormented by evil. And the enemy, what, you know, he tried to steal his calling. He tried to steal our Mm. family's calling. My daughter's at Moody in the U.S. studying to prepare for ministry. My son's out at Summit Pacific College in B.C. preparing for ministry. Like, that's not us. That no, that's God. Nothing to, that yeah. is Jesus all the way. Absolutely. Deliver them from evil. Trajectory is the will of God proclaiming the power of Christ. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. Lori, thank you so much. And you know what? I, I think everybody who's listening and viewing needs to go to LoriHartshorn.com and pick up this her DVD Bible study, her book, Finding Freedom, because a lot of what you shared today, principles, values, stories, verses are in here. So yeah. do that. And thank you for being with me. Thank this you was for the wonderful. Perfect. You, I've got like shivers and we have so much more to talk about at lunch Anytime. after this. All yeah, right. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Your Story with Melinda, an exclusive presentation of faithstrongtoday.com. Listen to past episodes by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes and join the conversation with Faith Strong Today on Facebook.